Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry to encourage your life. If you want to find out more, visit our website at freedomlifeag.org. Welcome to Freedom. Truly there is no other king. When the Savior of the world was to arrive, many had a perception of what they thought the Savior would look like. Many had a perception of what that Savior would do. When the Savior of the world was to arrive, many of them thought that they would be delivered from Rome's hand. That Rome, who was oppressing the people of God, would find new refuge in their Savior. That God's people would stand up and that the Savior would confront, oh, wicked Rome. That they would come against the, the tyrants and the people that seemed to hold them down for so many years. That maybe, just maybe, the powers that be would be thwarted. And that Rome would be overtaken by a man much like Moses when he came to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. Instead, he was the only king to rule who was born in a stable, hunted down before he could even spell the word king. No other king needed to go through the obstacles that this king did. In fact, the difficulties that he, in, he had to endure early in his life far superseded what anybody thought the Messiah would have to. He was fulfilling prophecies when people thought he was just taking up space. You see, what I realize is that there is no other king like Jesus. There is no other king like the Savior. And what I want to propose to you this morning is that there's no other you. That's right, you. God looks at you and he says, there's no other you on this entire planet. And I put my spirit in you so you can change the world. There's no other you. But we're not the emphasis here, are we? He had to establish that there is no other king before he could establish that there is no other you because you didn't know you existed. You only thought you were just here to take up space, but you too were here for a higher calling, a greater purpose. You see, I want to throw out this idea to you here that Rome in the New Testament was a picture of the enemy's plan for you. In other words, a picture of God wanting to hold you down long enough so you can just say, well, this is how it is and I accept it as it is. God says, no, I don't choose to live by everybody else's standards. I'm here to tell you today, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die by their criticisms. If you live by everybody else's acceptance, you will die by their criticisms. There is no other king. We have to move ourselves from understanding that Somehow he is just another savior. He is just another God. Friends, he is far from it. I want to talk to you about 
from palms to pain. You see, when Jesus came into Jerusalem on that day, he came into Jerusalem and people laid down palms. Do you know what this means? My wife described it just a little bit ago. It was a way of worshiping Hosanna, the highest, right? But not only that, when he rode in on this donkey, they laid out the palms in the form of worship. This was their way of expressing worship. We went from worship to worry. And we all do that today, don't we? We could be worshiping one minute and before we even hit the foyer, we're worrying about the next thing or worrying about that or worrying about the other. So I want to talk to you about from palms to pain this morning. Can I do that for a few moments? I was planning on doing it. There is no other king. You see, the first Palm Sunday, Jesus was riding into the capital city as a conquering king. He was hailed by the people with enthusiasm. He was hailed as, as someone that should be recognized. But something happened between that day and Friday. Something horrible happened. You see, in a moment's time, the streets were filled with people that were open to him one day and ready to watch him be crucified the next. You see, he ascended to this palace that they didn't know existed. You see, while they were worried about taking out Rome, Jesus was more concerned about taking out the devil and all of his plans for you. Aren't we superficial in some of our beliefs that somehow we think that maybe if he could just fix this thing, that's enough? But God says, I I'll fix that, but if I can fix this right here, that would lead to all the other things getting fixed. You see, the Jewish people at the time were very concerned with Rome. Obviously, they oppressed them. Obviously, they ruled over them. But they didn't see the big picture. How do I know this? He didn't confront almost any Roman official. Find me a story where he went up against some political figure. In fact, they even tried to trip him up and they said, whose coin is this? Whose face is this? And then he turned around and he asked that question. Remember that famous question? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's. He responded. Why? Because he will not be tricked. So while they're trying to trick him, he's saying, no, no, no. I'm seeing the bigger picture here. You see a face on a coin. I see the face of a generation that needs to know who my son is. Are you with me? Oh, I hope you get it. There is no, no other king. Therefore, he deserves the worship and the praise that we're talking about this morning. Many of the people failed to recognize that while they were holding their palms and singing their psalms and realizing that there is a wonderful man coming in, the enemy was plotting behind the scenes lots and lots of pain. See, the praise that they were once laying down would later become pain that they're willing to pick up. 
There were too many people during that time that were okay with what was Jesus, uh, what, what, what the Pharisees and Sadducees saw Jesus as just a teacher. Many people were okay with Jesus being just a teacher. But I want to tell you today, he is far more than that. That's exactly where I'm, the angle I'm taking this morning. As I deliver this message, no other king. You see, when Jesus began to fail in, in their expectations, he refused to lead this massive revolt against Rome because he saw the bigger end game. The crowds quietly turned against him because they had expectations that God didn't. What I realize today is simply this. Even if you change the forms of government and who's ruling it, if the people are corrupt from within, it matters not how you expect real change to happen. Real change happens when inside your heart you want to change. You see, we need more than a cosmetic change. How many know that's true? We need more than a cosmetic change, church. We need more than a surfacey idea that Easter bunnies and, 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 and eggs and these things, that's what makes a beautiful Easter. Friends, what makes a beautiful Easter is when I realize that I was lost, but now I'm found. Well, I'll entertain Easter eggs, and we did 30,000 times, 30, times over, right? But I'm here to tell you today that that's a means to an end. The end game is that there's no other king who could do what he did. The end game is that there's no other king that can put up with the rebellious spirit that we all have and we all possess in our possession today. I'm here to tell you that there's no other king that can have the patience that the Savior had with you and me and every single one of us. Many of us could stand and share our story here today. And over and over again, we would share a story of God's patience with us. I find it interesting that the first words out of Jesus' mouth when he's on the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Interesting that the Savior of the world, in the moment that he's setting people free, is beginning to paint the picture of why he's there without even a, a single person cheering him on. Nobody was there to cheer him on. They were there to cheer their own desires on. Crucify him because he did something wrong. That blasphemer, crucify him. Even the people that were there were sad for him, but they weren't cheering him on. Nobody was there saying, Jesus Die well. Die well. Nobody says die well. Nobody in this room would be there in that moment looking at him saying, man, he's dying so good, isn't he? He's dying so well. But the end game was that he died well. Because as he was taking those moments, your sin was being put on him. Your pain was being brought on him. All your transgressions and failures were being put on him. And that's why he can say, Eli, Eli, lama samaktani. And he can yell from across, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Friends, look at me. God is not asking you to die well today. He's asking you to live well. But that doesn't come without understanding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and who he is. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You can't live well unless you died first. And I'm asking you, die to yourself today and realize who he is. I'm here to tell you there's no other king. Something went wrong by Friday. But there's no other king that asks you, do the difficult so I can do the impossible. Give me all the difficult so I can give you miracle after miracle. No other king does that. Nobody else could hand you the impossible like he can. I wish somebody knew what I was talking about. See, I'm here to tell you that no other king can create miracles like Jesus. Nobody can create miracles like my Savior. I realized very quickly that Jesus was in the habit of pulling people out from under torture, torment, and trials. I got a list for you. He was in the business of taking people out of their slum, their muck, their mire. There were people that had demons in them. And he said, no, 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 not for long. Not for long. It was just moments ago that they were laying palms. And those five days, something happened. But in the midst of his ministry, no one could do the miracles that he could do. He healed the leprosy from people. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. I wish somebody could say amen. He fed 5,000 people, 4,000 people. He continued on and he healed royal official's son. He raised Lazarus from the dead. The woman with the issue of blood who had been, listen, she had been told there's no hope. That's where you find hope. When everybody else says there's no hope, that's where you find hope. Why? Because then you realize it's not by man's hands. I need to come to him. I need to come to him. I need to lay myself at his feet and ask him, please, God, hear my prayer. Now, listen, you don't have to say please, but I do. Because I have no business being before him. And I can lay my praise down at his feet. Say, even if if you don't bless me another day in my life, you deserve this praise. That's what Palm Sunday is about. I don't deserve your presence. I don't deserve you. But he came anyway. Oh, but it doesn't end there. I've only listed a few for you here today. I I haven't even gotten to the the time he calmed the storm. I didn't even get to, oh yeah, this little bitty part of the Bible called the resurrection. But there's one story I want to kind of highlight for a moment. that You probably haven't heard on any Palm Sunday. It was a moment in time when Jesus was, uh, uh, he was going about touching people and healing people. And a man came up to him in Luke chapter 8. I won't have it up on your screen, but here it is in Luke chapter 8. A man by the name of Jarius comes up to him. Says, my little girl, she's sick. Would you come touch her? Would you pray for her? 
And Jesus stopped what he was doing. And he began to go that direction. On his way, Luke chapter 8 and verse 42 happened. A woman with the issue that I just mentioned, no hope, doctors said there's no hope, came and touched Jesus and he turns around and he tells his disciples, who touched me? And his disciples said, what? (laughs) Say that with me. What? See how that works? Why is it, why is that moment so important? Because everybody was touching Jesus. Master, um, why are you asking such a question? Everybody's touching you. And you know what he said? No, 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 no. This one's different. Something was different about this one. And then, you know, verse 42 to 48 happened. Woman who was having all these issues, she said. It was me. And he said, go and be whole. Right? As that was happening, an official came up to Jairus and said, your daughter has passed. Have you ever felt like God was about to answer a prayer and somebody else stole your miracle? Have you ever felt, look at me, have you ever felt like somebody else just swiped your blessing from under you? Swiped your miracle? I was supposed to get that raise and someone got it. It wasn't yours. It wasn't yours. If you didn't get it, it wasn't yours. There's Jarius. He was on his way and you pulled him apart. You pulled his attention. Now I don't have a daughter. Now I got to go bury her. Jesus didn't waver. He didn't stop. He didn't pause. He continued on. He went to his house and there they told him, you're too late. You should have been here earlier. Does that sound familiar? You should have been here earlier. You missed it. And then Jesus says something that absolutely blew their mind. Are you ready? She's only sleeping. But you, you know what that really meant? She's dead without God's permission. The people laughed. Laughed at Jesus. What do you mean she's sleeping? I think they were slightly, slightly going through an emotional breakdown. Because when someone dies, you don't just start laughing out of nowhere. But they took their pain and the absurdity that God would actually take somebody and resurrect them. That doesn't make any sense. That is unprecedented. Listen. The God I serve is the God of the unprecedented. He doesn't follow our mold. We follow a mold, right? You follow a pattern. Some of you are type A. Raise your hand if you're type A. By type A, I mean you have to organize everything. You have to lay it out like boom, boom, boom. And if it's out of order, forget it. The world is about to fall apart. Some of you, I'm type A. I won't even raise my hand because I don't feel like it's necessary. (laughs) Come on. Just admit it for one moment for crying out loud. 
I'm seeing more hands now all of a sudden. You see how that works? They were like, I'm type A, but I'm not going to tell you about it because it's not in your business. It's not in my forte. <laughs> they had everything laid out. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you don't understand. You don't understand. She's dead, Jesus. She's dead. And Jesus said, no, she's sleeping. I will tell you when she's gone. He laid hands on this young girl. And up she comes. Like they just stirred her in the night. She wakes up and everybody is amazed. That's the Jesus that makes miracles happen. When everybody else has said there's no way. When everyone says there's no way. I say there's Yahweh. When everybody else says there's no possibility, I say there's no other king. I'm here to tell you today that one, what once was their pain to hold, he shared it, and their problem became his. And he issued his moment. This is where you get up. Reached out, and she was alive again. Second thought is this, no other king can fulfill prophecies like Jesus. You have to understand something. No other king fulfilled the prophecies that Jesus did. Nobody. You see, to understand what Jesus fulfilled, I need you to understand two things. Number one, the noun prophecy and the act of making prophecy a verb to prophesy. Prophecy was something that was Set and set a prediction to the future. That's prophecy. The noun prophecy describes the prediction of the future. To prophesy is a gift that God gives the body to speak revelation into someone's life. Some of you need someone to prophesy over you and just say, God wanted me to tell you this. Listen, there's some people that will go the extra mile to tell you their gifts are not for today. And I don't know what church you grew up in or how you, your background is. I want to tell you something. The gifts are for today. And that from this pulpit, you will always hear that the gifts, until Jesus comes, the gifts will be in operation. And God is still speaking to his people. Now, there is decency and there is order. And there is proper conduct. But understand that that conduct is guided by Scripture and the leadership within the church. We trust and pray that God would use us to be able to govern that correctly. But there's a difference between prophecy and to prophesy. But I want you to know that some scholars would say in uh, 350 plus times Jesus fulfilled prophecy. He filled a lot of prophecies that were set that nobody else can do. In fact, Jesus himself fulfilled at least a hundred that no other man in the history of mankind can do. There's no other king that asks you to give him the difficult and he responds with impossible, impossible miracles. So third, no other king, no other king can take away your sin. Let me make this crystal clear. There's nothing you could do to earn salvation. 
There's nothing you could do to earn your way to heaven. There's nothing you can do to get there. The everything that needed to be done to get there has been done and checked off. The Old Testament, the law, has been fulfilled in Christ. Now he said, now that that's fulfilled, let's go ahead and put this right here and understand there is a new covenant. And this covenant is found in me. I will give you unending grace. How many need unending grace? Show of hands. How many need unending grace? And if you didn't raise your hand, you need it more now because you just lied. You just lied. Right? We all been there, right? I'm just trying to paint a picture for you, church. There is no other king like this Jesus I'm speaking of. This is part one of two parts. Next week, I want to talk about the greatest comeback in the history of mankind. See, this is a time of celebration, but it's kind of a twisted time because Jesus rode in on a donkey and he's there. And, and you know, I, I, I think about that moment and how everybody celebrated him in one moment's time. And then it wasn't shortly, it wasn't too much thereafter that people then went from celebration to crucify him. How incredibly fickle are we that we would turn so quickly. You say, well, Pastor Tony, I, I never done that. I never denied him. You know, that's the same thing a disciple said before he did it. We cannot rescue ourselves, it is only Christ. Because we cannot redeem ourselves, it is God's compassion alone on us and the price he paid on that cross that gives us the opportunity to follow him again. See, the price was paid, the sacrifice was made. And now today, I'm asking you, what does Jesus' death mean to you? Let me make this clear. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. I'm going to ask you to make a decision here on this wonderful Palm Sunday that could alter the rest of your life. I'm going to ask you to make a decision that could change you forever. I don't know if you're ready to do that, but I know one thing. He made every single door open so you can have a chance to do that today. As they laid the palms down, it was about celebration. You see, he didn't just die for us. He rose again for us. First, he had to go through the palms before he could get to the pain. You see, on that Good Friday, it wasn't good for one individual. It wasn't good for many people. He wasn't dying well in their eyes. But trust me, as I look back, some movies depict that pain, that passion. I have trouble watching even just a reflection of Jesus being crucified. I don't think I expected anyone to cheer him on because they thought he was going to do more things. And, but everything he needed to be, that needed to be done was done. That's why he said, it is Oh, I'm so glad that that little T was inserted. Not I am finished, but that it is finished. Today, all across this room, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Father God, for every person at the sound of my voice, thank you. That you overcame death, hell, 
and the grave. Thank you that there is no other name on the heaven whereby we must be saved. Thank you that Jesus Christ came and bore a horrible death for me, even if I didn't deserve it. Today, I realize, oh God, that Jesus took my place and all the transgressions that I committed were laid upon him and by his stripes, I am healed. Today, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is alone the only reason that I have hope and salvation. It is in that name, that precious Holy name of Jesus that we pray.